Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Welcome to the Real Football Show on Triple M. And on today's Real Football Show, we've got the legendary Robbie Slater. And uh, Robbie Slater, apart from winning the English Premier League title with Blackburn and being capped 44 times with the Socceroos, Robbie has been an important part of the Fox Sports, Fox Sports broadcast since 2005. Unfortunately, it's coming to an end. And uh, after the A-League Grand Final on Sunday, let's hope Robbie sticks with the game. We'll also feature the Australian Premier League's managing director, Danny Townsend, he's also the boss of Sydney FC and things are certainly on the up for the future of the National Leagues. And Danny will give us the latest good news. But first, on the show as well, a regular panellist, Kote. Hello. How are you? <laughs> and uh, Albie Kid, you're, you're not looking really bleary-eyed, by the way, considering um, the Euros are on. Yeah. Um, you are. Been, I've been watching every every game, so my eyes are. You want to see my eyes from this side? It's worse. But obviously, today was the last the last games of the, uh, yeah, the group final, stage, and and no real surprises, I suspect. Well, the final games last night: Portugal uh, with France two two, and the other one Germany and Hungary two two as well. But th- that means that obviously there's sixteen left now. Val twelve qualify, one in two places, and and four best um, place teams are in the, the, the finals now. So it's it's full on now. We're at the pointy end. So the, the games, are, let's go through the games. I like to sort of get some, uh, you know, predictions from uh, both of you as well. Wales versus Denmark. Do you know what? Um, I think Wales are going to get through because defensively they're good. They're very, very good. And they've got, obviously, uh, Bale up the top. Yeah, Bill is uh, he's doing well for them. I, I think I, I would agree with that. Even part. though the Cote. Italians looked after him. Who are you going for? Yeah, same. I don't think they're right. Wills. Yeah. Italy v Austria. I, um, yeah, I think that's a, no, a no-brainer. I no, think Italy's wouldn't, too it strong. Be, it wouldn't Italy be a walk in the park because I think the Austrians would probably park the bus. So yeah, the but you look at the... have to work hard to get through the block. You look at the uh, how Italy's gone over the last 25, 30 games, Val. Quite exceptional. And we've never seen that for a long time from Italy. Well, the last time they were this good was in 2006 when they won the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. And, so they're, they're, a, they're a hot tip for the, for the, the full comp, I, w- I would say. Yeah. Uh, Holland versus uh, Czech Republic. It's Holland. got to be the Dutch. Yeah. The Czechs are just too inconsistent, yeah. in my opinion. I agree with that. Belgium and Portugal, that's a massive game. That's a tough game. You'd expect, in my opinion, Belgium to win because they're ranked number one yeah. in, in world football. But you've got, I mean, he, for me, he's a god. He's the god of football. Cristiano Ronaldo scored two X goals this morning from, from the penalty spot. You can't discount. And Portugal have got this, they've got this team. They know how to defend. And I'm predicting an upset. Yeah, I think Portugal. You know, honestly, I'd love to see Portugal for Ronaldo as well. He's a special player. You know, even last night scoring two goals from but the penalty. But he pen- already won it. Uh, yeah, they, well, yeah, he already well, they're won the holders. It. <laughs> but if you look at uh, Ronaldo last night scoring the two penalty kicks, it's not just a foregone conclusion. There's a lot of pressure. A lot, I would say a lot of players that's playing in this comp would have missed the penalty kick because of the, the pressure that they're under. But Ronaldo, he pops himself up there. Had he never scored or missed one of them, they, w- they wouldn't have qualified, Val. You're right. So it's massive, a massive uh, game last night. Croatia versus Spain? Spain. I want Croatia to win. 
Spain. But I want Croatia to win. <laughs> I'm willing him over the line. I think they played a very good last game against Scotland. Yeah, and, they did. Uh, look at they Modric. Did. Modric was, just, Modric just was an outstanding. Player. 35 years yeah. old and just... Yeah, and Spain, let's be honest with it, Spain's not hitting the straps either. So. No, I think it's a team that's been on the way down for the last yep. couple of years. I agree. And they needed to be rebuilt. France and Switzerland? France. It's got to be France. But hey, they're, they're, giving, they're leaking goals. They're leaking yep. goals. And there doesn't seem, every tournament that I've seen France playing, there doesn't seem to be a harmony there. They always seem That's to be bickering. That's a very good point you make. They always yeah. seem to be bickering on the pitch, yep. off the pitch, on the bench. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of their style. Like they they have good individual players, but they still lack of defend like the the organization on the back. They are still getting some time goals, and they just yeah. But I think France will will go through. They've yeah, got match they should get yeah. through. Pogba, Mbappe, Benzema. Sweden versus Ukraine. It's got to be Sweden, but I, you know, I'm, you just I'm, never know. The soft spot for Shevchenko is the chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> it's a good point you make. But anyway, going to the last game and a massive game, England versus Germany at Wembley. No, it's not Wembley. So I beg your pardon. Germany. Is it Germany? We'll find that out in a second. But it's, it's going to be Germany. Are, they're not playing very good they're football. Not. England aren't playing very good nope. football. They they got through with two goals scored, none conceded, seven points, and, and they've got through. Is the best yet to come from England, perhaps? But they always ended stronger than other teams. You, so think, that's important. Like when the teams that they don't start really well. Cote, I reckon they've got a good team. They've got good players, but I think the coaching methodologies are that, you know, the manager just doesn't want to get beat. Therefore, he doesn't take chances. He's not a risk taker. He's very, very, you like know, conservative say? way what he yeah, does. I don't, he I don't rate him out. as a coach. They've got players that can actually play football, but they don't play football. They, they, they're, they're playing like, you know, the England that we knew 20-odd years ago. Yeah, I'm exactly. The players are much better mm. than what he's coaching them to do. Well, we yeah. have to see it. And again, looking at the final guys in the semi-final, be played, well, the final will be played on the 12th of July. So uh, let's hope we could um, tip... Uh, next week, uh, the the teams that's going to get into the final. By the way, England and Germany's at Wembley, buddy. Yes. How about this, Cote? Uh, UEFA have caused a little bit of controversy. The stadium in Munich, it's a beautiful stadium, the Allianz Stadium. Um, beautiful, yes. And they hosted a, a big game this morning. And UEFA's talking about respecting the rainbow, but there seems to be mixed messages. They put out, put out a rainbow badge as part of a statement. But the messages are really mixed. How do you how did you see this? I think it's controversial because um, we want to include everyone, and we wanna we want this game to feel. I mean, everyone feel part of this game, football, you know, um, universal, the whole world. And then uh, they try this statement where aliens cannot light um, um, the stadium, and of course, how do you think people will feel about that? Uh, for me, it's a little bit um, something that, yeah, respect is important, but at the same time, you can, it's like saying you can't come into the stadium if you have a different um, sexuality, uh, if you have a different, um, um, uh, different, what's the name, mindset or different, um, you're going for, you, you don't agree with what everyone says and you are different. So that tells me that, uh, you know, they, they try, I guess, to do their best and, and they have said, 
that they want people to feel obviously everyone part of this game. But with that, I, I heard and I read a lot. People were not happy. When this happens, Val, you're not going to please everybody. But um, you never are. No. But I mean, UEFA have come out and said some people have interpreted UEFA's decision to turn down the city of Munich's request to eliminate the Munich Stadium in rainbow colours for a Euro 2020 match as political. On the contrary, the request itself was political, linked to the Hungarian football team's present in the presence in the stadium for this evening's match with Germany. That was the end of their statement. Mm-hmm. But then you could also so that's the authority meeting the call. And but you could also it's, say it's that, right. that, that taking the knee, Black Lives Matter, the movement is that is that a political statement as well? And that's, I mean, that's... We're, we're, we're we're crossing into territory that FIFA have never been in this sort of turf before. And the thing is, like, it's not about one country. And I understand Hungary. They have a law where and kids in, in, in school, they are not being educated with homosexuality. So I get that. But football is universal. Football is worldwide. So people need to respect that. And when you are part of football, we should be able to respect different opinions, different um, um, genders, different everything. So... That's for me, I think it's a, it's controversial a little bit. Yeah. So joining us now is, he's a legend of the Australian game. Um, Fox Sports, actually he was there on debut back in 2005, ex-Socceroo, English Premier League Championship winner, Robbie Slater, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, yes, it's been a long time. Been around a long time. <laughs> but you've been brilliant. And um, unfortunately, we'll, we'll cut to the chase because yeah. obviously Fox has been there forever and ever and they've done really, yeah. really well with the game and giving it the spotlight. It's all coming to an end, perhaps at the grand final. How do you feel about it, Robbie? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, look. It's like you said, without Fox in the beginning, uh, without Fox, without Hyundai, you know, there would never have been uh, an A-League, so... You know, Fox had a, has had a massive part to play in in Australian football. They've put in over, you know nearly a billion dollars into the game. Wow! Uh, over that fifteen year period, and, yeah. and you know, leave it. Nothing goes forever, and it's going into a new cycle now. And it's gone across to Channel Ten and, and Paramount. And, yeah. You know, Fox wish them well with it, and there's no animosity. There's no ugly ending. If you want, it's just run its course, and Fox. I felt that they're going in a different direction and, um, you know, football goes in the other direction. So the, the, the partnership with Fox ends, of course, um, but football doesn't, you know. It continues, it just goes somewhere else. So, yeah, but as, uh, in respect to doing the game, yeah, I was there for the first, there for the first grand final and we'll be there for, for the last. Well, when I say be there, I don't think we're allowed to travel to Melbourne, so there you go. But, yeah, um, which is a real shame. But, I mean, who would have thought all yeah. those years ago? I mean, Fox really took a gamble um, back yeah. in 2005. And I think the actual coin for, for it was Meniscal. They took a gamble. It it, it took okay. off. And I think, um, like it, like you said, Robbie, if it wasn't for Fox, would we still have an A-League today? Yeah, that, no, that's true. And uh, there's, there's no doubt that... And Frank Lowy, I remember at the first press conference that announced the, the coming of the new A-League, which was called the Hyundai A-League. Hyundai were another major sponsor. But without Fox, uh, it certainly wouldn't happen because Frank Lowy said and turned to David Malone, the then CEO of Fox Sports, and said, Fox, he turned and said he thanked Fox Sports for what he called a, a leap of 
their leap of faith yeah. uh, into the into football. And look, it's 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 gone up and down. It's a bit like the stock market football. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gone up and down, and it's had incredible highs. And in my opinion, it hasn't had terrible lows, but it certainly has had its difficult times in the last couple of years. And COVID has played a big part in that as well. Mm. But, um, you know, when Del Piero arrived here and uh, and those three to four years there, Emil Heskey and Shinji Ono at the Wanderers, when the Wanderers won the Asian the Asian Champions League, uh, they were certainly highlights. But, yeah. look, I think if you go back uh, and you think to what the game was in the country before the A-League started, um, you know, to, to, to think that, you know, three years ago for a Sydney derby, there was 60,000 people at ANZ Stadium. If you went back to, you know, 15 years and said, oh, look, this is what the next 15 years is going to look like, you're going to have full houses for grand finals, you're going to have Del Piero arriving, you're going to have the Wanderers invented with full stadiums and, and you know, the way it was, people would have said, well, I don't think football can do that in this country. So I think... Although it's had its difficult times, it, you know, the A-League is here and it's here to stay and um, it's just going to a, a different home. Robbie, just to come in there, looking at what you've just said there, you know, I'm, I'm quite interested, you know, doing the, the commentary going back a few years ago with Dom Ronaldo and whatnot, it was it was big crowds, it was good football. You know, today's game, there's nobody there. Why has that happened? What, what, what's, what do you think is the, the problem, Robbie? Well, I think... Um, I think we brought in very average foreigners. That started to happen. Here, We weren't giving young players a go. Now, a lot of people probably haven't watched the A-League much this season, but this season has actually been the best in football terms for quite some time. Mm. Because of COVID, a lot of those... and I, I, Look, I'm not going to call them second-rate foreigners, but I'm just <laughs> saying that they're, they're foreigners that, that really shouldn't be taking the, the place or shouldn't have been taking the place of young Australians. And I think this year it's been proved. This year, this season has been marked by young players being given a chance. And not only have they they, they played their part, in, in a lot of cases they've been maybe the best players on particular teams. And I, I think of Denny Jean-Roe at MacArthur and Connor Metcalf from Melbourne City, just to name them. Joel King, who played in the grand final, on Sunday at the left fullback for, for Sydney FC. And there's many more, Tilio and Kolakowski that starred for Melbourne City in their win over MacArthur in the semi-final just a few days ago. And these young players won't have been given a go for the last decade. So yeah, I think the emergence now, and I hope it's something that continues, is that, and I think the APL should have a criteria, we all want good foreign players. There is no doubt that Good foreign players add to the competition, like Ninkovic, like Castro in Perth. But there should be really a criteria that um, that limits the ability to bring in foreigners who are just not up to scratch and, and taking the spot of young Australian players because it's had a dramatic effect on the Socceroos. Whatever you say, there is no hiding from the fact that 15 years ago we had nine players in the EPL yeah, we had we had plays in Germany, in Italy, and in, in uh, Spain. Today, we don't have players in big clubs. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Our players uh, in the EPL, we've got one player in Matt Ryan, who is the reserve keeper at Arsenal. That has been a direct 
um, effect of young players not given their opportunity and not qualifying for Olympic Games uh, in the last couple of years. But anyway, to go through all that, we'd need three days. Robbie, I agree with everything that you've said there. The, the, you know, looking at the the EPL players that um, you, you know you, you mentioned there, we had a very very good soccerers at that time. But but look, it must be said that we do. You know, shoot myself in the foot a lot of times. You know, you look at the uh, the finals now; it's being obliterated by by way of um, players having to play for the Socceroos, and it affects the code, Robbie. You went into the pointy end of the season now, and you look at Sydney has been decimated. The, the Melbourne City has been decimated. We, you know, Jamie McLaren being out there, and you know, it's it's very very disappointing, and and just you know that would never ever happen in any other country. Yeah, look, it's disappointing. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the calendar was known. The, the international calendar was known 12 months ago. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's also been COVID, which has made it difficult. But the international calendar was known. And, you know, the soccerers were always going to play in this window. So it is disappointing. Um, but what can you do? It is what it is. Uh, we have a grand final on Sunday we, without... You know, Ryan Grant without uh, Ryan McGowan, without the keeper, Andrew Redmayne, without McLaren, Metcalf and Curtis Good. But that's the reality of it. Um, I still think it'll be a good grand final. Uh, I think both teams have coped well with those key players missing. But you're right, it's stating the obvious that it is disappointing that it has, you know, the, the soccer calendar has come at a time when the A-League finals were playing. Robbie, um, going back to the, the 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 answer you were talking about young players, bringing young players, and then and look, I'm 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 also player, and and I see W League. The same thing happened last year with COVID. Um, it gave a great opportunity for those young talented players to 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 showcase their talent, and I think that's great. But what do you think about? I mean, um, you know, at the moment, you said. Well, this is on not many people. What a league? Maybe less people. That uh, mm. that what happened? What 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 would be the reason there? Well, look, I I think um, I mean the ratings at Fox Sports, if I could want to talk about them, you know, have dramatically dropped in the last few seasons. And I think, look, you know, this is not a criticism, although it probably is. Uh, it's a criticism of the process and how long that process took. The simple fact is we have an APL now, which is an independent A-League. But to, to arrive at that, there was a war between, and it's the only way to put it, uh, between the FFA and the clubs for two years. For two years, the game you know, was second to this you know, fight between the FFA and the fight for the clubs to become independent, which affected the game. Mm. And there, there was no doubt about that. There was little marketing. There was little... You know, effort to push the, the league forward. And there was a certain laziness, I would say, by okay. the clubs themselves because of, you know, this dispute with the FFA that took two years to fix. And uh, I think the league certainly suffered from it. Um, mm. And the numbers tell tell the story that it, that it did. Now, hopefully, now it's done. We can't change the past. Um, you know, we need to move forward. The game is going to a new home, which gives it a bright start. It's had its time, as we already mentioned, at Fox Sports, and and Fox Sports has been tremendous for the game. But it, but it's now over. Nothing lasts forever, and the game moves on to a to a different place. And uh, like I said, 
you know, there's no animosity, there's no ugliness in this departure. It's just something that's run its cycle and its course and it's over. Robbie, um, you know what I loved about you throughout your career, whether it's been commentary, playing, you're, all, you're brutally honest. And sometimes it gets you into a little bit of trouble. So, you know, <laughs> what's been some of your highlights? And then give us maybe your worst moment in, in commentary. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, jeez, there's a lot of worst moments. I think uh, I had a big, big dispute with Harry Kiel once. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that was a cracker. And Harry <laughs> Kiel's a very good friend of mine now. And um, But anyway, it was after the World Cup in South Africa yep. 2010. And I remember um, there was a live stouch on one of our shows on Fox Sports. And obviously, you know, you know, someone said to me, why would you say something against Harry? Which I didn't actually say something against Harry. It was something about Harry that happened at the World Cup, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, someone said to me, mate, it's like shooting Bambi. I mean, you're just, you know, you're, you're just an idiot. Anyway. Good so analogy. Yeah. Well, the show got great ratings because, you know, for whatever it was, it was on the front, uh, the back page of the Daily Telegraph yeah. the next day. And it had a big photo of me. And a quote from Harry in massive letters: "You're a liar." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this is not. Yeah, this is one really to get framed and put up on the wall. Anyway, the, the, the thing that has always stayed with me makes me laugh is when I came down the next morning after a pretty sleepless night, to be honest. Uh, and the front page was there, and my daughter showed it to me, Victoria, and she was quite young at that stage, and Tom, my son, and uh, there was my wife at the time. Uh, she was standing there, my dad, anyway. So I come down and my dad looked at me and he said, um, a still tongue keeps a wise head, and he walked off. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, this is a good start. <laughs> then my young son, my young son, who was about 12 at the time, he looked at me and he said, why would you, Dad? And he just walked off. And because uh, he had Harry Kill posters on his wall, I thought, oh, well, this is going well. Great support from the family. But the killer blow... <laughs> The killer blow was from my daughter, who was about 15 at the time. She's, she looked at me and she said, Harry's so much better looking than you, Dad. <laughs> as, she walked, as she walked off. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> what a great day. So look, that, that's a bit of a memory. Uh, there's so many memories down the years uh, of grand finals and, and, and big moments. Uh, and it's been a pleasure. You're not going to uh, be really, lost to the game no, now, are you? It's, but it's a, it's a privilege to do, you know, like, you know, on whatever age I am now, I'm not going to tell you guys that, but, you know, I've made a living out of the game. I've been at Fox Sports for 23 years, and I've had a pretty good run. Mm, and it's, sometimes, you know, I think in our game, in our game, people are always trying to take from the game. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone, not yeah. everyone. It's always, you get the feeling that people think that the game owes them something. I've got to get something from the game. I've got to get something from the game. Mate, the, I own, the game owes me nothing. I yeah. owe the game everything. If it wasn't for the game, I wouldn't have had made the living and had the, the career I've had. So the game owes me nothing. I owe the game everything. Well, I hope you stay with it. I mean, even Bozza. Bozza's been brilliant as well on Fox Sports. And hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, you get the gig at the next uh, TV rights if, if there's nothing else available like with Fox. But because I love your work. I'm a fan, 100%. <laughs> well, Robbie, I appreciate that. You're obviously not on Twitter because I'm, I no, I see that rubbish on Twitter. on Twitter, and and you know what I like about you too, Robbie, that you yeah. answer them back. You give them hell. Yeah, I just yeah. Sometimes it's funny when you know even your harshest critics, if you just 
interact with them a bit, they sort of turn around a little bit and go, oh, you know, I didn't really mean it yeah. that way. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Robbie, closing oh, it out, uh, you played in France. Uh, looking at the Euros, the French are doing very, very well. Uh, are you, yeah. you studying the Euros and uh, how are you expecting France to, to do at the end of the day? Yeah, look, I've got, you know, it's no uh, scoop. A lot of people have got France as, as favourites. I've got them as favourites as well. Back in 98, they won the... They won the World Cup and went yeah. back to back with the Euros in 2000. I think they'll do the same here again, 2018 and 2020 stroke COVID 2021. Um, yeah, look, I watched them this morning against Portugal. It was a, a, a very strange game, an important point for Portugal. Mm. Germany against Hungary, and that's who play who they play next. So England <laughs> against Germany at um, at Wembley is the fixture of the round of 16. And that's going to be some game. But, yeah, look, France are, are looking strong. They finished top of the group of death, as we call. Um, but still had two draws. Um, so, look, I think Spain finally, you know, hit their, uh, you know, their, their beat, if you want, uh, by putting five past Slovakia. Mm. So whatever you say, they've looked sluggish, but they're still unbeaten. And I guess for England, the home ground advantage is bad. Is big, and we know about the criticism around England. Uh, it's always there. It's fantastic, but at the end of the day, they haven't conceded the goal, which is something, you know, at a tournament that that is important. But uh, Germany looked ordinary against Hungary this morning. Um, but uh, Hungary was a was a very good story. Um, that they, they proved to done their country proud. Really, that draw they had against France in an unbelievable atmosphere in the Pushkas Stadium, but. Look, uh, not too many surprises at the moment, but uh, the, you know, the big guns are all still there. So, yeah, round of 16, knockout stage. It's, it's the exciting part of the tournament. Well, Robbie, I'm glad you didn't give Italy the kiss of death. Um, thanks for your time, buddy. That's why I left them out. They will win their round of the 16th, there's no doubt. Um, yeah, play in Austria. Yep. When you look at what Italy have done in the last, what is it, 30 games 30 now? matches, yeah. I don't think they've conceded a goal in the last 12. It's just an extraordinary run they're on, and they've got some wonderful players. You know, uh, you know whether it be Jorginho in the, in the middle, Chiesa, and obviously that front line um, is on fire, and they're scoring goals, not conceding. And Italy have a, a great history in big tournaments, although they've only won Euros once, which is maybe a pointer, and I think they're going to be there right at the business end. They're certainly going to... You would think, well, they're massive favourites to beat Austria. And then, you know, once you get to the quarters, you're not that far away. So there you go. There's, this is death for them. Well, good on you, Robbie. Um, good luck with the grand final. Who's your tip? Look, I think, you know, obviously Melbourne, and rightfully so, uh, they deserve to host it in Melbourne. But I just think Sydney, with their experience, I think um, I think they might just shade it. But it should be very – I think it'll be very, very close Good on you, mate. And good luck with the call on Sunday. Good luck, and hopefully we'll still see you in broadcasting. Like I said, an absolute legend, and uh, you've done it since day one at Fox Sports, and congratulations on that too. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Legend Robbie Slater from Fox Sports. Hopefully that's not the last time we're going to hear from him uh, in the commentary box. Okay, joining us now live from Sydney on the Triple M Real Football Show, Danny Townsend, and he is the Managing Director of the Australian Premier League and also the Chief Executive of Sydney FC, who are in the grand final. 
on Sunday. Danny, uh, firstly, this TV deal, it seems to be getting better and better with uh, obviously 10 and Viacom. Now all the national teams under the same umbrella, you couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, look, it's great. I think it was important that, you know, for the football fan that we're able to deliver um, an experience for them um, with, with, for, for our consumption of content in, on one platform. You know, we've got a proliferation of, of streaming services that all of us are, are signing up to these days and to try and uh, ensure that football was in one place was a really important step for the game. And we're really happy to see uh, Network 10 and CBS Viacom um, you know, up their commitment to football in Australia, which is great. How important is it to get at least one match per weekend, W League and A League, to the actual, the broader audience? Yeah, really important. You know, our game since its inception, at least in the A League era, has been um, behind a paywall as a primary uh, media partner. And I think to have uh, Network 10, who is one of the biggest commercial networks in the country, you know, tell us that they, they believe in our sport, they believe in the APL strategy to, to reinvigorate the sport, and they want to make it the number one sport on the network, you know, that's, a, that's a huge statement for them to make. And to, to get that free-to-air reach is, is something our game's craved. And to get that on Saturday night, main channel, from 6.30 till 10pm, you know, Saturday night being football night on, on one of the, the major networks in the country is a huge vote of confidence for our strategy. Danny, I think that would be great because, um, you know, as a player again, and, and, and I just think you attract more people and and just having, you know, for us, the W League women's side, that opportunity, um, it's, it's going to grow the game. You know, it's going to grow the game both sides and attract, I think, more fans. Yeah, totally. You know yourself, you want to you want to play in front of audiences, both on television and in the stadium. And um, getting reach in our game in front of as many people as possible more often will ensure there's greater engagement, which essentially moves people from the couch into the stands. And, and that's, yeah, that's exactly. what our, our really talented guys and girls who play our game at the highest level deserve. Um, they work really hard and they want to they want to do their thing in front of as many people as possible. I think the great. key to this too, Danny, is that Ten and Viacom CBS have said that they want to be number one sport in the country, and um, we are as far as participants are concerned. But we haven't transformed that to, to viewership. I mean, that's obviously a goal of Football Australia, APL, and and, and your club. How, how are we going to do this? Look, it's not just one thing. You know, the, the free-to-air broadcast and the, the direct-to-consumer relationship we'll build through Paramount Plus is just one part of it. You know, we've APL is is about to invest, make the biggest single investment that any organizations made in digital infrastructure in this country um, for sport and and that's that's about engaging our customers in a more effective way on a, on a day-to-day basis and at the moment the football experience for a fan a player a coach an administrator a member it, it's a fragmented experience and we want to we want to make that an easy one and a, and a really good one and by building data and digital infrastructure around um, you know, those 5.3 million fans that we have wow. um, is going to be critical. So, you know, we are the biggest sport in Australia for under under 35s, and those those individuals are digital natives. So we've got to we've got to talk to them through a, you know, a channel that they're they're used to dealing with, and and that's why the investment in the digital infrastructure is so key. Just for the listeners, there, Danny, can you explain the uh, the Paramount um, JV or, um, you, you know, uh, relationship if you like going forward with Viacom? What, what's the actual structure of it? The, is Viacom the, the platform that Par, uh, Paramount's uh, supporting? or what, Can you explain it for, the, for our listeners? Yeah, it's, it's a bit convoluted, but um, I'll do my best. Um, CBS Viacom is obviously a global um, 
broadcast company, one of the biggest so from a, a distribution of content, but probably most importantly in this instance, a production of content. They're, they're, uh, their roots are in, in produ producing content. They've got a, a $10 billion um, content pipeline that they're surfacing through Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is their, their global um, subscription video on demand service. So if you think about Netflix, uh, you think about Stan, you, know, yeah. you think about Binge, yeah. Paramount Plus is, is, has got strong ambition to be the number two behind Netflix within two years. And to do that, you, you've got to drive engagement with the, the mainstream through general entertainment and scripted dramas, and, and they've got the biggest portfolio of the, that, that content in the world. And secondly, sport, and they've, they see football and the strengths we have as a, as a code in Australia very much underutilised, as you mentioned earlier, and this is an opportunity for them to work with us to to really take advantage of those strong foundations we know we have. So, yeah, it's a bit of a match made in heaven, really, and we're really excited about what it will do for our game. So, loosely, you're going to be streaming the uh, the Men's World Cup qualifiers, the UEFA Cup competitions. Uh, Italy, I think, uh, Serie A is on the agenda. Um, European Champions League as well? Look, they're, they're separate rights. So, just to be clear, the rights that, that APL own are the A-League, the W-League, the FA have have sold them the, the national team rights and the AFC rights. Um, and then you've got UEFA rights and FIFA rights on top of that that will, will, will all be in market at some point. Um, I know that, that Paramount Plus has really got a strong commitment to football, not just here in Australia, but yeah. abroad. They have the cha yeah. European Champions League in the US. So um, I'm sure they'll be adding to their portfolio of football content to ensure football fans get more football. Danny, uh, final question. I know you're a very busy man. It's two-part. Yeah. Two now, the unbundling, the APL, you know, uh, strings cut loose from, from Football Australia. Is that is that nearing completion? Is it complete? And and the other question is, obviously, you're going to be biased about this. Who's going to win the grand final? Yeah, second question is an easy one. But first question, mate, um, <laughs> is, look, the unbundling essentially was ratified by, um, by the Congress on the 31st of December. So that... We've been operating as an unbundled organisation since Jan uh, January 1. There's a legal process like there always is following that that concludes June 30, but for all intents and purposes, we are unbundled and, and operating as, as two key stakeholders in the football industry in Australia. And, you know, they remain, FA remain a, a, a significant shareholder in APL, so we have a very much an aligned strategy moving forward. To your second question, um, <laughs> look, it's a huge game. Grand finals are amazing. For me, um, for us to be in our third grand final in a row is a testament to you know the club and and all those that contribute to it you know it comes down to one big game uh, we're going to for history to be the first club to win three in a row in the a-league era so that in itself is it will be a huge achievement if we can pull that off but yeah look it's been a great season for everyone it's been a tough season some of the best football we've seen in the a-league melbourne city deserved to be the host and we're, we're we're glad that they were able to do that um yeah, and it'd be nice to go beat them in their backyard on sunday at amy park so. <laughs> Yeah. Are you able to travel? Yeah, our team got down last night. We had oh, a bit good. of a, a crazy exit. On uh, We got told at 11 o'clock on, I think it was Tuesday night, that we any of our players in red zones in Sydney had to get out. So okay. we literally had to send someone over to Milos Ninkovic's house to wake him up because he was asleep <laughs> and we couldn't get a hold of him. So, so Amazing. We, we, banged, we banged down his door and we got them all into a hotel just before midnight and we all flew down. Uh, last night just to ensure there was no risk of border closures. So we're all here, we're ready yeah. to go, and we're looking forward to the big day. Dana, you'll be glad that uh, Jamie McLaren's uh, missing? Uh, look, you know, yes and no. Like, it's one of those things, right? You, you want the showpiece event to have the best players. You know, we'd love Ryan Grant, Ryan McGowan, and Andrew Redmayne to be yeah. there. And yeah, it's sure a shame, want, yeah. Yeah, they'd want good Metcalf and um, 
and uh, and McLaren playing. But look, at the end of the day, both teams have shown. You know, we lost three of our best players each side, and we still made the grand final. So, you know, it's about the depth of your squad. Both teams have got great players across the board, so it's going to be a spectacle Sunday. I just think the difference is that the two you've got your two strikers uh, that are scoring goals for fun, and uh, they've not got their their main striker. I think that's a massive thing in the game. Yeah, I think the young boys have stepped up. Tilio and Kolakoski have done a great yeah, job. I think Taboo's sort of making noise that he's going to start or, or at least play a role. Um, so look, yeah, look, absolutely. We we probably do have the edge on them in the front third, but you know, it's a it's a grand final. Anything can happen. You take nothing for granted. We're just happy to be there, and we'll put our best foot forward and hopefully uh, bring home the the silverware on Sunday. Good on you, Danny. Thanks for your time and all the best with the Thank grand you, final. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, all Danny. Right, Cheers. Thanks for having me on. All the best. That was Danny Townsend from the APL, the managing director and chief executive of Sydney FC. Okay, what's topical? And by the way, uh, Cote, Albie's under the table. Looks like he's fallen asleep. The Euros have caught up with him, so we'll let him. He can't hear a thing, by the way. But A-League and W-League, uh, the award winners from last night, there was actually a couple of surprises, um, but maybe not in your eyes. So, so who won what? And there was joint winners in the A-League for the first time in history, by the way, which was quite incredible. No, I think it's good. Uh, good surprises were on W-League size. Uh, we do have the goalkeeper of the year, and I think she did extremely well at uh, Tegan. Mika, now she's playing in Norway, and she was also part of Matilda's. She did excellent last game with Matilda's. I think she's in a really good moment. Um, we have the goal of the year. It doesn't surprise me because Lisa Devana scored an amazing goal, solo run, uh, before halfway, she took the ball and a uh, beautiful finish. Um, so, yeah, we have also the night golden boot. Um, and again, um, Emily. Emily, she was consistent um, during the, the season and she scored, um, I think, 13 goals. Yes, 13 goals. And, and again, she deserved it. We have the young player of the year. And again, it doesn't surprise me. She did amazing. Kira Cooney, Cooney, I can't pronounce it, C-O-O-N-E-Y. Cooney Cross. Yes. And uh, look, she's again now in the Matildas. We, I think I'm hoping to see her with a chance um, heading to Olympics. Yeah, she did again amazing uh, um, uh, with victory. And we have uh, Mitchell Hyman. So she she got the um, Julie Dolan medal. And again, congratulations to all winners um, for the amazing season we had last year and for all players as well. Now, uh, I thought you'd have been higher up at the table, but anyway, that's a, a debate for <laughs> Let's another not day. talk about it. <laughs> so with the guys, Johnny Warren medal, uh, Milos Ninkovic from Sydney, obviously in the grand final, and um, Ulisi Davila from Wellington Phoenix. They're the joint winners, which was brilliant. They're playmakers. Something okay. that Adelaide United's coach says he wants for next season: playmakers and playmakers. You're a playmaker, Cote. That's why I can't <laughs> understand you're not you're not part of the uh, the reckoning in the Julie Dolan medal. Young footballer of the year was Joel King, Patrick Kuznorbo from Melbourne City, boss, coach of the year, Jamie McLaren, um, leading goal scorer, Golden Boot, twenty five goals, goal of the year, Andy Keogh. Goalkeeper of the year, Andrew Redmayne, Mark Birigidi, who's who's penned a two-year deal for Central Coast Mariners Excellent. recently. And obviously Redmayne's not going to be part of the grand final because he's with the Socceroos or he's now in quarantine. Fair well, play award, it. which is a bit of a... Shame. Uh, mm. 
Dud Award, I reckon. Fair play award. Brisbane Raw. <laughs> and the referee of the year, Chris Breath. So, obviously, he's going to get the grand final. So, so they're the award winners, which were held Excellent. last night in Sydney. And it was virtual as well. Now, the big news is as well, uh, before we wrap up, Cotter, Jared, Jared Gillett. He's going to be the first Australian former A-League referee. He's been added to become a referee of the English Premier League. So wow, amazing. He, amazing been, for Australian yeah, football. It is. And mm-hmm. he, he might be the only Australian representative we're going to have in the Premier League but next you know, season, it is, which is quite, it's it's quite sad. It is, but you know what? At the end of the day, having that person to start with, you know, taking that step, it, it, it will open the doors. It will. So, I, you know, like for me, it's to keep uh, the referees, you know, they do, if they keep showing um, doing the the job that they do, um, they will. The opportunities will come, and I think it's great for Australia to just keep um and putting you know uh, the importance that referees need. Absolutely right, because they've been getting caned a lot lately, especially in this country, uh, which exactly. I, I think mm-hmm. is unfair. I mean, sometimes you got, you've got to give them criticism, but you know, at the end of the day, they need to be coached properly, and that's where I find the problem higher up, rather than what's. At ground level, um, especially yeah. in the local leagues. Now, um, FIFA are visiting all host cities for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Yeah, in the next excited. few days, which is brilliant. Amazing. So, hopefully, they sign off all the venues that have been listed, um, yeah. including Highmarsh Stadium, which was late to the party. That's the stadium here in Adelaide. Now, Aurelio Vidmar, this one, uh, I should have had this out a few weeks ago. He's won a new job in Thailand. He is the boss of Thai League One champion. BG Puffham United, which is formerly Bangkok Glass. Wow. He used to be there a few years ago, and he's left uh, the Lion City Sailors. Just before we go, I caught a, an FFA Cup match last night, um, Adelaide City and Metro Stars at the parks at Angle Park. They are so good, these fixtures, because it's really, it, it really feels like a, an old-school-style football match you, it, because you see so many people that you know, you're in close to the action. It was maybe seven or eight degrees. It was absolutely freezing. Lucky it didn't rain. But Adelaide City now representing, uh, obviously, South Australia with Olympic, who won the night before, beating Campbelltown for South Australia in the FFA Cup, which is massive, and they'll be on Paramount now, which is, which is great for the it's, game. Look, uh, again, if the clubs uh, just do, um, you know, they just um, uh, take this a little bit more professional, the opportunities that they can have, are amazing, you know. Adelaide City is showing us, and, and and they may, you know, the game will be on TV later, and then that that's uh, marketing for them, and that's when the game grows, the game start growing. So I think it's amazing. Congratulations <laughs> to them, and hopefully to see more clubs uh, doing, uh, you know, uh, the work that they need to for players, not for just players, but for the game. If only we can get that now with the uh, women's competition, oh, be, the national federation. It would be. Great. Cup. It would mm-hmm. be. So that just about wraps it up for now. Just before we go, grand final, Sydney FC or Melbourne City? Who's going to win it? Wow, that's difficult. Uh, look, I was watching last week, Sydney and Adelaide United. Sydney Sydney is a good team. Sydney is a good team. Um, but, you know, Melbourne uh, also have a um, good team as well. I think it's, it's going to be a really uh, tight game, but I think Sydney... Yeah, I'm with you. They've yeah, got some key players. If Milos exactly. Ninkovic is fit, I think they're going to win the trophy. In and how they play. Albie will wake him up after the show. <laughs> Albie, wake up.